1: Hello, this is Ron Burgundy, and you are listening to my voice, which commands trust and respect. Guess what? My podcast is back, and that's a win for everyone. If you're a longtime listener to the show, you probably already know the deal. Each week, I bring you hard-hitting journalism and also light entertainment. I contain multitudes. Find the Ron Burgundy Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you
0: get your podcasts.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Crush, Friday interview edition. And today, just a minute ago, everyone, he just left. I had my uh, my friend Craig Johnson in here. Craig is, I met Craig as the uh, prop master for the Stuff You Should Know TV show years ago. And uh, Craig and I just hit it off. He's a good dude. We have a lot in common. We have similar tastes and interests. And we were, we were set pals, uh, which is always fun. We had a it's so much fun working on a TV show, guys, and to hang out, and it's such a familial experience, and you end up just becoming really close with these people, and you goof off, and you have a good time, and you're eating lunch together all day, and and working, and tireless hours, and it's a real bonding experience. So uh, Craig and his, uh, well, his now wife, they were uh, just boyfriend-girlfriend at the time, Karen Freed. She worked as our um, our lead wardrobe a costumer. And uh, they work both now on Stranger Things. Um, it's kind of cool. You know, they they get to work together some as a married couple, which is great because uh, there's such long hours and it can be very hard on a marriage, the film business. So if you get on the same gig, it's kind of good because you get to spend time with one another. And so Karen uh, works in the wardrobe department on Stranger Things. Going to have her in here uh, for the final part four uh, until I get those Duffer Brothers. Uh, and this is part three of the Stranger Things special. Uh, Craig works as an on-set dresser. Um, and as you will soon find out, uh, has has inserted some pretty cool Easter eggs on that show with his uh, with his own musical adventure, Space Knife, uh, which you should check out on YouTube. It's really great stuff. Craig is a child of the 80s, uh, much like myself, a great lover of all things uh, 80s. And so his movie pick... Uh, As a sci-fi nut himself was the thing. Uh, And so that's what we talk about right here and right now. Please to enjoy. Yeah, let's talk about the TV show. What went wrong? (laughs) Oh, uh, I don't know. I think it was okay. I think it was okay. I I liked
2: it. I had a lot of fun working on it.
1: Yeah, me too. I think that was the thing is we had a good time. Mm -hmm. We were, I think... I'm not going to pretend we were, like, groundbreaking, but we were a, a bit ahead of our time. I think so. For, like, a podcast doing their thing on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting that years later, it's sort of happening a lot more now. And, like, people are writing articles about all these podcasts on TV, but no one ever mentions, like, the, the Trailblazers. It's <laughs> like, so we, we already did that. <laughs> people have come back. We've had, like, not offers, but... Uh, Because now our network is with an agency, like Joss and I aren't, but the whole network is. And they've come back and been like, hey, you guys want to take another stab at it? And I'm always kind of like, not really. (laughs) Like, I'm fine. (laughs) Like, I think I like the audio thing. Yeah. It's good for me.
2: It's like, we tried that and uh, we did it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. It's like, have you seen the first thing? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we could do something more normal. Um. Look behind you, the uh, thing is falling off uh, the wall. Yeah, this whole studio is falling apart. That one fell off the other day, <laughs> and I just set it on the floor. Uh, <clears throat> how's Josh Zills doing, by the way?
2: Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah, I see him. I'm actually gonna hang out with him tonight. Oh, cool. Um, is he in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, he moved here uh, almost right before started shooting. Sushi yeah, Shidao. that's what I thought. Yeah, he was a good friend from a long time ago. Yeah. Let's talk about your background. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: Alabama, right?
2: Yeah, Decatur, Alabama.
1: Which is, I, I know I've heard of that. Where is that?
2: It's uh, near Huntsville. It's about an hour north of Birmingham.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. And near the Space Center, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Which is great. What uh, Did you go there when you were a kid? Was that like uh, the school trip?
2: I went there a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, they actually have a space camp there that I never got to go to. Yeah. so that's That was kind of sad.
1: I know that movie. Mm-hmm. That was a big one for me. Yeah, growing they, up.
2: yeah they filmed it there.
1: Oh, did they really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool.
2: Uh, p- parts of it, they actually filmed there.
1: Right. Um, so how does a guy like you come from Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Not to make fun of Alabama. Alabama's great.
2: No, Alabama's great. But uh, I was definitely the – I was like the grunge kid at my high school. Okay. Like it was – everybody was very sports. Yeah, sure. You know, oriented and – Hunt and fish. Yes. <laughs> was, and then I was the grunge kid.
1: And, the, the sport of kill. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I was – I would think you were a bit of a uh, – not an outcast, but like a black sheep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: I had v- very few friends in high school. Um, uh, the ones I did have were the few that were there that were kind of like me. Right. But, uh, yeah, there wasn't very many.
1: Yeah. And you don't have an accent uh, kind of like me. hmm um, although some of my friends make fun of me. Like some of my L.A. friends say I have like this huge southern accent. I'm like, no, I don't. I really I don't. just don't. Yeah, it's like I don't hear it. Yeah. I mean I definitely have words mm-hmm. as you might as well, like not sayings but expressions and certain words we'll use.
2: And it, it comes up more when I start drinking. Yeah. definitely, It definitely seeps out a little bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to kill some deer? <laughs> uh, what'd you, what did, Were you in music in high school? Because I, I definitely want to talk about – and let everyone know about Space Knife. Oh. <laughs> but let's let's go back to the beginning of the music stuff.
2: Um I was in band for like one year.
1: And like the marching band? In the marching band uh-huh.
2: playing saxophone for like a year and oh, which mid- one? Uh it's alto sax. Okay. I played yeah.
1: tenor sax nice. for one year. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> when I was actually in elementary school.
2: Uh it was fun, but I never really got into it. Yeah. And then I think uh the Nirvana Nevermind album came out, and I was like, I have to get a guitar.
1: Oh, okay. So and, that was it. That was it. Yeah.
2: that's That was kind of the turning point that made me actually want to start playing music.
1: Yeah. What was your first guitar? It was a Kramer Focus. Oh, nice. <laughs> what is the deal with like why – why has no one ever gotten a, a cool, good first guitar? Because <laughs> mine was awful. It was yeah. a metal – it was a BC Rich <laughs> – Red cherry red, and of course, in my defense, it was—I mean, shit, man—I was thirteen, so it was like nineteen eighty-three, mm-hmm. and it was—I was Eddie Van Halen crazy, sure, which I still am. Yeah, uh, so that was that was my excuse. <laughs> What's up with the Kramer? Um,
2: I actually had to buy it myself, uh-huh. and it was cheap. Oh, okay, I could afford to buy. I'd saved up enough money. I could buy that and a small. Um, Marshall Mini Stack mm-hmm. uh, used uh, for like f- very cheap. So I could afford to buy both of them. Right. All I right. Could, I could either afford to buy a nice guitar, no amp, or a cheap guitar and a cheap amp.
1: Well, that's a good point because mm-hmm. my guitar was pretty cheap. And it's not like when you're 13, you have the money to go out and buy a Les Paul Standard. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, let me go drop <laughs> six grand. Uh, yeah. So that makes sense. And mm-hmm. were you self-taught?
2: I... Well, I was uh going to church a lot yeah as a kid and I was started playing in the I did
1: that. church band? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have a band though. Yeah. They didn't allow that.
2: It was like on uh oh, I was I was self-taught up to a point and then I started playing like on And then God took over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then God came into it and I could I could play awesome. Um but no, I was I, I got asked to play like in the youth group band on Wednesday nights. Yeah. And my cousin who's a drummer is amazing drummer. Uh-huh. And there was another guy that was playing guitar and they were both Phenomenal, you know, musicians. Yeah. So it was me trying to, like, catch up to them while we Uh, would practice. And so I learned a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what they say you should do Mm -hmm. in kind of everything in life, like sports and music. Like, surround yourself with people better than you. Mm -hmm. And that's the way you get better and challenge yourself or whatever.
2: Yeah, it definitely helped because before that, I was just – everything was just bar chords over and over again. And then playing with these guys, like, I had to learn. I was actually – going back and forth between guitar and bass at the time. So uh-huh. that kind of, I think that that helped because I was playing a lot of bass with those guys. Right. And then translating that back to guitar, actually doing more with my fingers than just playing sure. you know, regular chords. Yeah.
1: I, I still can't play three notes of a solo together. Like, I've just never learned. I never, I've mm-hmm. been playing guitar now for 30, like 30-something years. And... <laughs> It's embarrassing. Like, you know, when you go to the guitar store and everyone's like has their their noodle jam that Mm -hmm. they do to to test things out. (laughs) I have none. I'm always like, "Uh, let me just play play my chords. But I'm a rhythm guitar player. And I had to write that with myself Mm -hmm. and be like, you know, what? I'm not a solo player. That's why we have a lead guitar player.
2: Yeah, exactly. I I, I never I never uh, never could do solos.
1: You can do some solos. I've seen you.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) More than me. Trust me, man. Like, I literally cannot play single notes. It's, it just <laughs> feels weird and awkward and I never learn. It's like if you played left-handed and you're right-handed. That's mm-hmm. how it feels. It's that bad. Are you doing um, other band stuff besides Space Knife right now?
2: Uh, I, I just write a lot of music. Yeah. And it's kind of all over the place. A lot of, like, either just guitar rock or synth stuff. Right. yeah. Uh, but for the past year it's been mostly just synth stuff doing yeah. writing stuff for Space Knife.
1: All right. Well let's let's not beat around the bush. Uh for everyone listening, Space Knife is um it's sort of like Pedro the Lion is David Bazan. Like you are Space Knife. Yeah. Uh it's it's not a group per se. No. It's Except, just you, right?
2: Yeah. Well, in the videos, it's me, and then a <laughs> bunch of other me in the background playing the keyboards. Right. <laughs> There's
1: a bunch of yous. So it's just
2: more of me, yeah.
1: Yeah. So how many songs can you can you find on YouTube?
2: There are four music videos on YouTube right now.
1: And what are the names of these songs?
2: Um, the first one, I did a song... I wrote a song about a jetpack, mm-hmm. and it was before there was anything about Space Knife. Right. And I just wrote a song <laughs> about a jetpack, and my roommate and I made a video for it. Uh-huh. And then... Uh, I was gonna. The second song I did, I wrote a song about a space knife, and I was like, Uh "Oh wait, that's a good name." So I wind up (laughs) retroactively naming the band Space Knife for the first song
1: after the song, yeah, which is after an object, yes, okay, which was a space (laughs) knife, exactly, and which is the one uh, with the parenthetical in the title. Uh, shield uh,
2: oh uh i'm taking off shield your eyes shield your yeah. eyes.
1: <laughs> and shield your Eyes is in parentheses, yeah. <laughs> which is a classic rock motif I'm glad you're bringing it back,
2: trying to there was a a time when I was doing an e p and like every i was gonna have every song every song be that way
1: uh-huh you know. oh uh, parenthetical <laughs> god, i love it, dude uh, how would you describe space knife though it's like how would you describe it
2: uh it's very like New wave pop, yeah, eighties synth pop.
1: But I mean, uh, there's a tongue in the cheek, but you're not mm-hmm. like making fun of that music at all. It's like no, fully no, no, embracing no. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think people just need to check it out to fully <laughs> get what's going on.
2: Yeah, because it started out as as a humorous thing. Yeah, but then,
1: but it's good. It, yeah, it's uh, like really good thank, music. Thank and you. like the videos, <laughs> you look. I mean, it looks pulled straight out of like
2: 1983. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's what I. And uh, we found this uh, video camera that we were going to shoot one of the videos with, uh-huh. that we did shoot, the Space Knife music video with. And when we turned it on, uh, it, the date that the last time it had been turned on was 1983. Uh wow. Like, uh, and so that's where we kind of based Space Knife uh-huh. in that year. <laughs> you retrofitted it. <laughs> <laughs> and we were going to make like a fake documentary about Space Knife. About, uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah. Being from the 80s and interviewing the uh, all the band members now, but me playing all the band members, but just uh-huh. never talking about the fact that we all look the same. Just
1: Are you still going to do that? I, I I would love to. Because it's sort of, I mean, it, it's it's like a performance art project, mm-hmm. but at the center of it is this really good 80s synthy music. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it, man. And it has since taken on a new life uh, because of Stranger Things. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. You guys were kind enough to help hook me up with uh, the fellas mm-hmm. for the interview with Harbor and Kiri and uh, Gelman. Mm-hmm. Stranger Things Part One and Two. This is officially Stranger Things Part Three. <laughs> uh, what is your official job? Are you prop master?
2: No, um, no. I'm the on set dresser. Okay. So uh, I deal with the the sets while we're shooting and make sure the sets look good on camera. Right. Try to maintain continuity of everything. Um, while we're shooting. Right. Basically, I'm moving a lot of furniture around to make room for camera and then making sure it all goes back into place.
1: Sure. But you are you dressing the set to begin with?
2: No. We, I, I come in when... It's already been set. Okay. It's already been dressed. And I come in with the shooting crew. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of like the set deck representative while we're yeah. actually shooting.
1: Right. Which I under, I know because I've, I've been on shoots before. But mm-hmm. for everyone listening, like you're there... Uh, it's a cool gig because you're there... During all the the fun stuff, Mm -hmm. which is when cameras are rolling Mm -hmm. and actors are acting, you're kind of right there closely watching uh, to to zoom in there and do whatever needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Prop-wise, right? And Uh, set. No, set-wise, not props. Oh, that's right. Props got to be handled differently, right? It is. Uh,
2: I was prop master on the the Stuff You Should Know show. Right. Uh, But on this, I'm an on-set dresser.
1: Well, and Stuff You Should Know Everyone, there was a lot of cross-pollination. Yeah,
2: yeah. I did a lot on that one, too.
1: But uh, for these shows, the bigger shows are. It's a little more specific, exactly. So as to what you do.
2: Yeah, I, I I work a lot with the directors and director of photography to make sure they're happy with sure. the sets, and so it's cool. I just get them, you know, actually get to work with the directors. Yeah. and you know, the DPs a lot. It's I don't know. It's really fun.
1: Yeah. So what is uh, what are the Duffers like? What are those dudes like? I, I am gonna get them in here one day. I'm determined. <laughs> to get both those guys? Uh,
2: They're great. They're super nice and very knowledgeable about this, you know, the type of show they're making. Right. You know, it's it's definitely a love letter to that kind of stuff that Uh they grew up with.
1: Yeah. And they're, um, I mean, they have a super specific vision, but I've also heard that they're pretty collaborative in general, right?
2: Oh, very much so. Like, I've even... You know, would suggest something and they would be like, yeah, that sounds good. Or like uh, Karen, uh, my wife, she was the assistant costume designer. Uh-huh.
1: Who's uh, going to be a guest as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, she, she, you know, she threw out a lot of ideas for wardrobe and they're like, yeah, that that works. And so, they, you know, they're very open to, you know, you know anybody's opinion. It's really good.
1: That's cool. It's really cool. And they run a, a pretty fun set?
2: Yeah. It, it's pretty – I mean, it's it's super busy. Yeah, it's it, ambitious. Th- there's a lot of – especially this season was the biggest thing I've ever I've worked on, I think. Yeah. It was huge. Uh, but they try to keep it fun and uh, not stressful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's great.
2: But it's it's a lot of work. I mean, we're always working nonstop the whole time.
1: Well, yeah, because you guys are, are putting together, like, these mini-movies mm-hmm. every week. I mean, it's – and each season has grown in scope and budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you can't really talk about this upcoming season, but the, with the way those – Gelman and those guys were teasing it, it's like it, – it sounds pretty great. It's –
2: it's like I, I I love season one and two, uh, but I think this is this season is it's so big. Yeah, it's I don't know it's I'm really excited about see, you know about yeah, watching it. I, like, I, <laughs> I, I, I want to watch it and I know everything that happens. <laughs> right, right. I know everything that's going to happen, but I'm so excited
1: to watch it. Uh huh. Yeah, that kind of says it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought season two was better than season one, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most people did. I did see some people like poo pooing it, but. I thought it was great.
2: I, I liked it. I think I liked season one better. Oh, uh, really? Um, I think I just liked the the story better. Yeah. Um, well,
1: and th- there was something to the newness of mm-hmm. – because uh, now, I mean, of course, because of the success of that, there have been movies now coming out and other things that are like, hey, let's let's do that. Let's go yeah. back to the early 80s, which is great.
2: Yeah, which is great because I, I love all that stuff. Yeah. But, but if
1: Stranger Things kind of started it for sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we. Uh, I was talking to the Duffers about that on set, and they were talking about how like everybody's ripping them off, even though you know. And, but they're ripping off everybody else. Right.
1: <laughs> well, it's an homage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, that's cool though that they got that opportunity. Because mm-hmm. um, they, I mean, th- this is the first thing they've done, right? They've
2: done. Uh, they did uh, an indie feature, and, okay. then, and they've been writing for a while, right? On other stuff, uh, and then okay. they just. I think they just developed this concept and, had you know, got to pitch it. Yeah. And the pitch, apparently pitched it to a lot of networks before Netflix finally picked it up.
1: Well, Netflix is—I uh, watched the, that Coen Brothers anthology, The Buster mm-hmm. Scruggs, uh, the other day and was reading an interview with them and they asked why Netflix and and they were like, because they're the people that are funding like good shit right mm-hmm. now. He said they're the kind of the only studio that's not— Intent on just hammering reboots and remakes and uh, sequels, and he's like, "That's some of the best like original content out there they're doing." Mm-hmm. He's like, "So that's why we went to Netflix." Yeah. It's like pretty simple, <laughs> and it's like same thing with Stranger Things, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Netflix. They seem to be making so much original content. Yeah, it's, it's great. I love it.
1: It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you deal with do you deal with the network people at all ever?
2: No, nah, I, n- I never see anybody.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's how it should be, I guess.
2: Yeah, I yeah, I don't really see a lot of like, um, you know, I don't know what happens, you know, offset. But while we're there, like, I don't see people coming in and telling Dufferers we should, you should you guys should shoot something like like this instead. Right. It's like they seem to be left alone to make what they want to make.
1: Yeah, that's the way it should be, mm-hmm. and that's smart. Yeah, I When think you have so. like two creatives like that. That's awesome, man. I need to get those dudes in here. Uh, so, what about growing up for you? I mean, obviously. How old are you now? Actually, forty. Really, mm-hmm. dude. I always just think of you guys as <laughs> kids. Still, you're not that far behind me. Then, Mm-mm. I mean, seven years. But f- for some reason, I mean, I guess stuff you should know was a little while ago. But forty. Yeah, forty. Damn, this Craig. year. Yeah, March. What's your birthday? Twi- the March 23rd. Oh, okay, I'm the 15th. Nice. Fellow Pisces, or are you Aries? Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. (laughs) I don't even know what Aries means (laughs) or Pisces. None of it means anything. Uh, So, all right, then that makes a little bit more sense because I know how, like, uh, how much you love the 80s, -hmm. but I was always like, Craig's too young to have lived through the 80s, (laughs) but that's not true. Mm -hmm. You were born then in what? 78. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you were in your formative years.
2: Yeah, I think that's why, like, everything I do, like, because I, you know, our write scripts, Uh write short films, but in music I write, it's all very 80s inspired, 80s influenced. Uh, Because that's what was so important to me at the time. Because, you know, living with my mom, she was super big into 80s movies, Uh all those movies in the 80s and music. Uh, Do you have siblings? uh, I have a younger brother and younger sister. Oh, okay. But they're much younger. Gotcha. Yeah, my sister is eight years younger. My brother's thirteen years younger.
1: Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So you were getting your cultural feed from your mom largely.
2: Uh, mostly, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, cause she and and she loves science fiction. She loves fantasy movies. Oh Act, really? She loves action movies. Oh, that's awesome. And she loves and a lot of like eighties pop. So that's where I got. Yeah, <laughs> 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 my love for eighties pop came from. It's just like <laughs> listening to top forty radio. That's know. really
1: cool. Mm-hmm. You guys still close? Oh yeah. That's great.
2: Yeah, I don't get to go home as much as I want to. Uh-huh. Even though it's only like four hours away. It's not that far, but yeah. when you're working on a show, it's like... Yeah, that's all you do. Your whole life is just that show.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if people understand that. When you're on a show like this or a movie, mm-hmm. are you guys doing six-day weeks or five-day weeks? Uh, most of the time, it's five-day weeks. But you're doing stuff probably...
2: You're doing like mi- minimum minimum 12 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and usually... and for, your Fridays can usually spill over into your Saturday. Right. So it's, it's really – most of the time you don't even have like a real weekend.
1: Yeah. So you're mm-hmm. you're going to work and you're mm-hmm. coming home and then you're sleeping. Exactly. And then you're getting up and then you're going to work uh, and then you're coming home and you're sleeping. And that's just for – how many months did you guys shoot?
2: Uh, this one went f- April to November. Oh, man. It was a long one. It was the longest one I've done.
1: Yeah. That's a good gig though. Yeah, it was great. I mean that's your that's your financial year right there.
2: Yeah, for the most part.
1: You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, except for, you know, designing the Stuff You Should Know Christmas <laughs> show, which you guys did a great job, by the way. Oh, thank you. That was it a lot was of amazing. fun. It was amazing. But let's talk about Space Knife on Stranger Things, mm-hmm. because uh, a lot of listeners to the show love Stranger Things, and I I don't know how many people have noticed the, the Easter eggs. <laughs> so how did that happen, and how did you talk those guys into inserting yourself into their TV show? Um,
2: <laughs> well, the... My boss, the set decorator, Jess Royal, she came up to me and asked if I wanted to – this is during season one. Okay. Asked if I wanted to make anything, like make a fake commercial or make something just to be on a TV in the background because they were just looking for stuff uh-huh. to fill it. Um, but I didn't have time and then to make anything. And she was like, well, what if I offer your Space Knife videos? Because she had seen them. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, please. So she sent uh, all three that I had at the time. Uh, to them and they went up picking one and putting it on a TV in the background <laughs> and the song is playing the song is playing for like 30 seconds which one is it the uh, I'm taking off yeah yeah it's like you know camera pans by you see me like you know really quick on the TV and uh-huh. my, my song is playing for the whole scene and so oh, it's crazy great.
1: Uh, and what episode is that uh, for people epi- that want to go seek that a- out episode 2 of season a- 1 season 1 alright yeah. and you were also there is a what other easter eggs there's a video game
2: uh that's in season two, but also in season one, at the, in like episode seven, there's a movie theater and there's like a small Space Knife, the movie poster. Uh-huh. It's like, it's really small. It's really hard to see, but, <laughs> but I've worked that in there. But in season two, there is a, we made a fake uh, a, you know, video game. Yeah, an arcade game, con. right? I had, I, I did animation for an actual game. We were going to try to have somebody pretending like they're playing it, <laughs> but we didn't have time to get like a... Uh, the arcade cabinet with a TV right. that we could put in there. So we just did the uh, the artwork. It just uh-huh. had to be like out of order in the back. Gotcha.
1: And then... So that's in the arcade scene. You can see the Space Knife arcade game.
2: Yeah. It's in like the back room in the back office. All right. <laughs> and then in... Uh, actually, in uh, Brett Gelman's house uh-huh. in season two, there's a Space Knife record you can see pretty clearly. That's right. Yeah. And is that it? Uh, I think I... In the house party scene, the Halloween scene... Um, in season two, like, I think I wrote Space Knife rules on the...
1: <laughs> you, you think you did?
2: Oh, I, mean, I, 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 I did, but I don't know if you can see it or not. It, it's it, The camera passes by it really fast, but uh-huh. with Space Knife rules, like, in marker on the refrigerator.
1: R-U-L-Z? Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you gotta put the L-Z. Yeah, <laughs> put, put the
2: preferred the Z there. spelling.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great, man. It's so cool. Like, mm-hmm. every time I saw something Space Knife on there, and you're in my phone, is Space Knife. Nice. <laughs> which is hysterical. So, hopefully we said the word Space Knife 48 <laughs> times. Uh, And everyone just needs to check it out. And you gave me a sneak peek of your new video. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you even say what you did there or would that get you in trouble? Uh,
2: I don't think so, no. Um, So in the very last day of shooting, Mm -hmm. um, there were two sets that were still built for season three of Stranger Things that we were done shooting in, but they haven't taken them down yet. And uh, the production designer and the Duffer brothers were nice enough to let me go in there and shoot.
1: Space Knife Video. <laughs> A
2: Space Knife Video in those two sets. Uh, but they said you can do it as long as you don't release it until after the show comes out. I'm right. Saying, That's fine.
1: And you shot it during lunch, correct? Yeah. Over 30 minutes?
2: <laughs> yeah, we had like 30 minutes to go. And so we did like two takes in, in each set really fast. So
1: great, dude. Yeah. It, was... it looked really good. Oh, thank you. And the production value, like, the production value is built in because of these great sets. Yeah, the sets are amazing. But the fact yeah. that you were still able to even get something workable in 30 minutes is just mm-hmm. amazing. I...
2: Uh, fortunately, the, the one set had you know, built-in practical lights. Mm-hmm. And the other one, I had brought in two lights. And so I had set those up earlier in the day so it was ready to go. So just, as soon as we, like, broke for lunch, I, like, went and changed, uh-huh. changed my outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I just ran in there and we just shot it really quick.
1: Into your uh, Space Knife blazer? <laughs> is that correct? <laughs> it was like a black jean jacket. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Such good stuff, man. You got sweet <laughs> moves. Uh, so everyone supports Space Knife. Go look up the, the videos on YouTube. It is really good. Good 80s music and um, you're, I know you're working on like a legit album mm-hmm. to, to be released. Yeah. At some point, which I'm just super excited about.
2: Hopefully, uh, hopefully I have it done so I can release it right around the time Stranger Things Season 3 comes out. Sure. <laughs>
1: Capitalize on that. <laughs> Try to ride that wave. Get a little juice.
0: Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball.
1: All right, dude. Well, let's get into The Thing. Mm -hmm. Um, This is – I know you debated a little bit about Alien Mm -hmm. or The Thing. Is that right?
2: Uh, There there were several movies I was thinking of, and it's funny. Like three of them were Arnold Schwarzenegger movies.
1: Oh, interesting. I just got kind of killed recently for uh, talking about how Stallone was far more talented than Schwarzenegger. And some people on Facebook got really mad at me. <laughs> um, I think Arnold's great. He can throw a dude out a window and mm-hmm. say a line and chomp on a cigar. It is perfect for those mm-hmm. movies. But yeah. I, as I just made the argument that Stallone's sheer talent for like writing films and making you know, and writing Rocky and sure and other and other great movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I didn't mean to disparage <laughs> the Governor. He's great. What movies? Terminator Two. Uh, Terminator Two. Sure.
2: Uh, Predator. Okay. And uh the first Conan movie?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I love that movie so much. Yeah, what is it about sci-fi for you?
2: I I don't know. I don't know if it's because of my you know, my parents that loved it so much or I had, you know, two older cousins that were super into it mm-hmm. and one of my cousins had like Star Wars on tape and so every time I would go to his house we would watch it yeah. until I was able to you know get my own copy at the house. Sure. Um, but yeah, I just love science fiction. It was always what appealed to me. I, it was, the, you know, the main thing I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch Star Wars every day. Yeah. To, and as soon as I discovered the Aliens movies, I just wanted to watch those every day.
1: Yeah. God, I love them so much. Yeah, that first, uh, I mean, someone will pick Alien at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one was great. Mm-hmm. And there has been bits of greatness since then too.
2: Yeah. I, I enjoyed the third one. Uh I didn't really care for the fourth one, and I haven't really cared for Prometheus or yeah.
1: Covenant. Uh, I mean, they look great. They look great. Uh, but there is something missing. Mm-hmm. There was something about those first two, and for me especially that first one. I remember my brother, uh, that was one of the movies that I wasn't allowed to see, and I have a brother three years older. So we he did this a few times where he would go see a movie, and then he we would sit up at night, and he would tell me the movie. Nice. Almost in real time. Like I remember specifically him ta- telling me Alien and it took like over an hour. So it wasn't quite real time, but it was he really went through the whole thing because mm-hmm. I was like, and then what happened? And then what happened? And it's like – and then they bled milk and then the it, the, the blood was acid and then it came out of the guy's chest. And uh, I was – that was how I saw those movies in my mind's eye mm-hmm. was through that and like Mad Magazine – yeah. Reading the movie spoofs.
2: I, uh, there was also like the magazines like, uh, like Star Log. Yeah. That would come out that I, I could go and I could read those at the bookstore. Uh huh. Um, yeah. And like a lot of those old movie magazines. There was another one that was, uh,
1: Fangoria. Fangoria. Yeah. yeah. It's like
2: both of those. I loved them.
1: Yeah. Were you, are you into horror, horror as well or is it?
2: Not as much as science fiction. Uh huh. Um, But I I do love the sci-fi horror crossovers, like The Thing and Alien and Predator. Like,
1: Like where does this fit in, The Thing, for you? Like, do you remember your first experience with it?
2: Uh, It had to have been, like, late late at night on HBO at a friend's house or at a cousin's house or something. Because I don't think I would have seen it.
1: I didn't see it in the theater, for sure. Yeah, I definitely didn't see it. It was, like, a, I think probably a VHS deal for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And... It was 1982, Escape from New York was just before this, mm-hmm. and that was my first R-rated movie that I saw nice. on uh, at all, but it was on VHS at, mm-hmm. a, at a dude's house. Um, and so the thing, like after I had gotten permission, uh, and I've told this story before, but being you know raised in a Southern Baptist sort of conservative uh, household, like I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. but once that wall had been broken... Then it was kind of like, all right, you can watch The Thing and, you know, movies like this. I wasn't watching Porky's, but right. although I super wanted to because <laughs> uh, I didn't know it was just a <laughs> shitty movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, m- My mom was never, she never really uh, stopped me from watching horror or something. That's great. Yeah. She never really, if it was something she thought was going to be really bad, she would, you know, send me away to watch it. But right. for the most part, she just kind of trusted me to. Yeah watch what I thought I could handle.
1: Yeah, I think that was the same thing for me. I was always a good kid Mm -hmm. and proved myself trustworthy with stuff. Uh, I I wasn't getting into trouble. I wasn't sneaking out and getting drunk Mm -hmm. back then. Um, I probably missed out, but...
2: (laughs) Yeah, same. I think I probably missed out.
1: But we do that now. Yes. As I sit here with a slight hangover. (laughs) Um, All right, so 1982, one of the great years for movies, period. Mm -hmm. Um, Kurt Russell, of course, peak peak Kurt Russell probably i think from like 82 to 87 yeah I, 81 I th- to 87 i think at the time he
2: still wasn't like a the, the biggest star just yet but, i mean but as yeah. far as like my favorite kurt russell movies sure yeah definitely
1: yeah i mean and i remember seeing him as a kid mm-hmm. uh in those early disney movies mm-hmm. um when he was like a child actor um so he had always been around but that 80 to 86 i looked up his resume and from 80 to 86, it started with used cars, mm-hmm. which is just a great, so good. great 80s <laughs> comedy. Felt 70s still because it was 80. Uh, to 86, which was uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. Like over that six years, he really put out some great stuff. Um, and then, I mean, depending on how you feel about movies like Overboard, uh, he continued to make good movies.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember liking that movie. I mean, but I was a kid when it came out. Yeah. So I don't really Sure. I haven't seen it in 15 or 20 years.
1: Yeah, but Kurt Russell to me was always one of those guys that like uh I mean he made movies. He was mm-hmm. an actor in movies that were fun popcorn movies. Yeah. Like I can't think of many he made that were like you know, mm-hmm. sort of serious dramas or Oscar bait like he was he was always he was sort of like a throwback to me. To like, movie star guys. These iron-jawed, like, men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That jaw on that guy. It's like
2: watching movies like, you know, Tombstone. Yeah. Where he's so good in it. And then going from that to Captain Ron, you know. Yeah. Just like, he, <laughs> I, I love everything that he does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was always, like, fan-centric, though, it felt mm-hmm. like. Like, you're going to love this movie. It's like, you don't have to think too hard about it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was always great. Yeah. Like, Snake Plissken is... I can't wait for someone to pick that movie. I, I, I
2: almost picked that one. That was oh, that was another God. one on my list. So great. I, I had a huge list. I, I kept texting. I was. I kept texting and then deleting it, and then right. texting and <laughs> deleting. It, like maybe, I, what about this one? Like, uh, I was like
1: nah. Uh, well, it's funny too because uh, Escape from LA is one of the worst movies I've it's ter- seen. It's terrible. Uh, someone might think it's kitsch, has kitsch appeal or something, but it it it's weird that it looked worse than the original movie mm-hmm. years later. They managed to make a movie that looked more dated than one in nineteen eighty one It's crazy,
2: I think with like with more money, maybe they just there wasn't like the, the vision that he had, yeah, yeah you know, there was there was too 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 much money to make that vision like like in the first one, there wasn't that much the budget wasn't that big, yeah, so he had to be kind of focused on what he wanted and the the second one just seemed way overblown,
1: yeah, and it was just it was such a carbon copy mm-hmm. uh to the point where it was just like, I was disappointed in John Carpenter. Yeah. It's like, man, you, you, you're John Carpenter. <laughs> like, you could do better than this.
2: And and you have so so many other times.
1: Yeah. Like, you could make an escape from L.A. movie mm-hmm. that's better than this mm-hmm. by not doing sort of – I mean, it had the same exact plot line, the same ticking clock. And instead of the glider, he's in that underground uh, – what was it, like a sub or something? He has
2: like a weird boat. Thing. Yeah, it was yeah. just
1: like just exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So disappointing. Um but with the thing, let's get into that. <laughs> uh first of all, watching it again two nights ago, I always forget about that very first shot of the spaceship. Oh yeah. In outer space. Which, which I don't know why I forget about that. Cuz I guess it's so quick
2: and 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 it's over so quick and you don't actually see the ship landing. It's just like a Yeah. quick flyby and then it's kind of forgotten about.
1: It's totally forgotten about until mm-hmm. uh, while well, they get to where it's buried under ice. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, seeing that, um, I wish I had the the Criterion like the four K mm-hmm. uh, DVD. But um, I did. Wa- I mean, it, it was a pretty decent looking uh, stream, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that I watched, but that's that's set of the thing under ice is it's just it holds up. It's so good looking.
2: It's a it's a matte painting.
1: Is it really? Yeah.
2: It's like the the ship when they're standing and looking yeah. at it. Yeah, it's just a big mat. It's a big mat painting.
1: I figured that's what it was. It's it's so funny that like those throwback effects mm-hmm. like still look better.
2: It's yeah. I watched it. I, I have a, the four K version of it, and I watched it this morning. It's it's such a beautiful movie. Everything yeah. about it looks great.
1: It does. Yeah, it really does. And they
2: did it so seamlessly with those mat paintings and like I don't know all the. The, the lighting that the, the DP did. I don't know. It's beautiful. I who, who
1: was the DP? Do you remember? Uh,
2: Dean Cundy. think uh-huh. was his name. Like he did a lot of the uh, John Carpenter stuff.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went back and saw the original Halloween this year as well. Because mm-hmm. I saw the new one in the movie theaters. And then uh, it might have even been Halloween night after uh, Emily and Ruby went to bed. I, I put on the original. Just so great, man. Carpenter, like, I should do like a series on him. Mm-hmm. Just one of the true geniuses.
2: Yeah, he really knows how to capture that that specific look. Yeah. That's, oh, that's
1: good. Well, and the tone that he has, I feel like, through his mm-hmm. work. Um, with the music, although he didn't do the music on this. I always thought he did.
2: He did. I was watching a behind-the-scenes thing, and he did, like, small pieces. Did he? Yeah. The majority of it was the...
1: Ennio Morricone. Morricone,
2: yeah. yeah. But then there's, like, small pieces here and there that he did little synth stuff just to fill in the pieces. All right, because yeah. I did
1: notice a few of those, and I was like... That's got to be John Carpenter. Yeah,
2: yeah, but he he basically gives all the credit to Morcone. But like oh, he, really? but he did a few things.
1: Sure, mm-hmm. that's interesting. I wonder why uh, he felt like he had to hire it out.
2: I I read somewhere where he said he liked him so much that he used Morcone's music at his wedding, oh. and he just so he just wanted to work with him. I think he just wanted to work with him. Yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm.
1: I saw that that uh, that score was um, nominated for a Razzie. As the worst score. Yeah, I saw that too. Which is crazy to me. I love it. Yeah, it's great.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still have I, I listen to a lot of scores when I'm writing, and that's one of the ones I go to. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. I never mm-hmm. thought about that. I listen to And it's a lot of John Carpenter scores from his movies. The yeah. Real moody, synthy stuff. I, yeah. I love listening to that when I'm writing.
1: Yeah, Noel um, here, who, who co-hosts on The Mini Crushes, he mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's, goes deep with the Carpenter stuff. Nice. Yeah, that's good. I need to start listening. to that. That's a good idea to do it while you're writing. So um, the movie opens in uh, one of the most upsetting ways you can open a film, which is a helicopter uh, and a guy with a rifle trying to kill a dog (laughs) for a fucking bizarrely long time. It it, It feels like it just goes on and on. It's a long opening scene. I'm just like, go, dog, go. Keep going. (laughs) It's really upsetting as a dog guy.
2: But then afterwards, you're kind of like, oh, wait, I kind of wish you would have killed him. Well. Afterwards.
1: Sure. Um, because the dog is, uh, is the dog at that point Mm -hmm. already? Oh,
2: yeah. That's why they're trying to kill it, because it's escaped from the Norwegian camp. (laughs) Okay. Uh, and so they're trying to track it down and kill it before it gets to, you know, before it spreads.
1: Right. Because the Norwegian camp has already undergone the, Mm -hmm. uh, the thing or whatever.
2: Yeah. And I, I read what the, what the, uh, the pilot was saying when he was screaming at the guys and it's, he's screaming like... It's not a dog, it's a thing pretending to be a dog. Get away from it. You're like,
1: oh, really? Yeah.
2: I wonder why I didn't subtitle that.
1: I think because it would have given it away. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. <laughs> 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 it's like that's a dumb question. Uh yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um so they, they they come in, Kurt Russell has uh uh is it's funny watching it now like as a kid I'm like, yeah, man, the tough guys. This is just like drinking that scotch. Drinking but, J&B and yeah. playing chess. And but but now when I watch it, I'm like, he's an alcoholic.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. He's tr- drinking the, the whole the
1: whole movie. On the job, yeah. <laughs> on, on the lookout, while he's working, before he flies. <laughs> it's like he has a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, as a kid, you just don't even notice those things. It's yeah. so funny. he's just up
2: in his shack all by himself. Getting drunk on just, scotch. Yeah, it's getting wasted.
1: And everywhere he goes, he grabs that scotch. <laughs> he's always and got it with him. One of the... Uh, I pulled some bad reviews, and we'll get to that later because this like, movie was hated. Yeah,
2: the opening shot, he's got the whiskey bottle, and then the ending shot, he's got the whiskey <laughs> bottle.
1: One of the guys from the original, uh, the original version of this from 1951, mm-hmm. uh, one of the original filmmakers, uh, panned it, and he said – here it is. Uh, he said, if you want blood, go to the slaughterhouse. All in all – it's just a terrific commercial for J&B scotch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is pretty heavily like they had to have gotten some money.
2: Probably because it's in there a lot and that label is facing out. You, every, see, you yep, see it a lot.
1: Every single time. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Like he he grabs it to go mm-hmm. do uh, – like to fight the thing. He'll yeah. grab like the gun and his <laughs> bottle of scotch. <laughs> it's crazy, which he douses the, uh, the chess game with mm-hmm. because he can't lose to that computer. Oh, he's so pissed. He's so pissed. He's just so fucking cool looking in this movie, too. Mm-hmm. That that beard and that hair, man. He's always had that beautiful hair.
2: I, I remember really, it took it took him like a year to grow the beard and the hair out for this really? role. Like I guess he had had it cut for whatever movie before that.
1: He'd probably he'd never mm-hmm. cut it again, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not true. <laughs> but I feel like he's still got that hair. He's still got it. I saw a picture of him the other day. It's like he's just it's got beautiful. that. Yeah, he's it's a beautiful, beautiful man. Hair, beautiful quaff. Yeah. <laughs> God bless <laughs> Kurt Russell. I'm so glad that... Uh, Tarantino, sort of uh, Tarantino'd him.
2: Oh, for uh Yeah,
1: just get him back with mm-hmm. Death Proof and kind of everything else now.
2: Like, Hateful Eight, which is kind of related to the thing a little bit. Oh, yeah. He said it was... Tarantino said it was like ins- the thing is what kind of inspired, you know, kind yeah. of inspired uh, Hateful God, Eight. I didn't really like, think about it. You know, people in the snow. Isolated in the in, snow. Yeah.
1: Who's guilty, who's not. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because it's a sci-fi film with elements of horror... But at the root of it, it sort of becomes a uh, like an Agatha Christie, yeah,
2: who done it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like
1: one of one of us is the killer, except mm-hmm. one of us is the thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of my favorite sort of subgenres. Uh, is to watch a movie like that,
2: where you have no idea who's done it, and like they're all trying to figure it yeah,
1: out. Yeah, man, I've always wanted to write a movie, um, uh, and everyone is sort of like Clue, like mm-hmm. everyone's in the mansion, and one one of us is dead, and one of us did it. And we have to figure it out before sunrise.
2: Uh, I, I just bought the – there's a, a board game for the thing. I think okay, it, I heard it, about it, that. It came out last year, uh, but it's awesome. But it's basically Clue. Oh, really? And you're trying to figure out who's infected and who's uh-huh. not, and you're trying to – like uh, the people that aren't are trying to escape. I don't know. It's it's an awesome game.
1: Yeah, I teased the uh, episode on Facebook today on the Movie Crush page, and someone mm-hmm. talked about the game. Yeah. Is it, is it is it fun? Oh, it's great.
2: I love it. It's <sighs> –
1: and the design—is it cool? It's a uh, everything about it
2: is—you can tell they did a lot. They put a lot of work into it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a beautiful game,
1: man. I need to get that.
2: Yeah, it's really good. Like yeah. uh, Mondo—I don't know if you know them. Like, uh-huh. They—they're the ones that I think they're the ones that put it out.
1: Now, are they the ones that do the cool movie posters? They do a lot of posters. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think I saw one for this one uh, that was sort of—it uh, was—it was an alternate take on the that iconic, like one of the great movie posters of all time.
2: The one with the guy and he's standing there. Yeah,
1: And which the John, lights blown out of his face. Yeah, which
2: John Carpenter hated. Oh, really? Yeah, because he didn't want the movie to be a, a, a guy in a suit. And so oh. when the poster came over, he's like, it looks like a guy in a suit. Uh-huh. Because uh, he didn't want, you know, he wanted to get away from that kind of thing.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: And then the the guy that did the poster, he, he'd he been giving like uh, very little detail about what the movie is. Uh-huh. He basically did it in a night. Oh, really? Send it over. Huh. Yeah.
1: I'd I'd never uh, read any – I'd never done any exploration on on the original book Mm -hmm. uh, that it came from until this interview. And uh, I don't know how much you know about it, but it really is like almost the exact same thing Mm -hmm. as the movie. Uh, I mean they change a couple of little elements here and there, but it's really, really similar, which I was kind of surprised for some reason. I thought it would be just sort of like heavily adapted and changed. Yeah,
2: I – I think he he didn't want to make the 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 movie the the first movie again. He uh-huh. wanted, he wanted to go back to the source material because the the original movie was so different from the book.
1: Have you seen that one, the Fifty One? Mm-hmm. Is it good?
2: It's it's fun. It's like a you know just fifties sci fi sure. guy walking around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's just like a fun old sci fi movie. Yeah, but it's nothing like the John Carpenter version.
1: Right. What about the um, remake, recent one? Did you see that?
2: The prequel.
1: Oh, is that what it was? It's a prequel, yeah. Oh, I don't think I knew that.
2: Yeah, it deals with the like. It kind of deals with the Norwegian camp. Oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Huh. I I I'll I, see that. I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's not nearly as good. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of CG. Sure. But uh, yeah. You know, it's still fun. Fun to watch.
1: All right, I'm gonna have to check that out. I mm-hmm. thought it was a straight up remake. No. Yeah. And so I was just like, fuck that.
2: No, yeah, it's a prequel.
1: All right, well, I'll check that out then. Mm-hmm. Um, who's in that? It's got a. I said actress's name. I know Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, yeah, she's in I it. like her.
2: She's yeah, good. she's cool. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was in it. I don't remember. I saw it in the theater. And uh-huh. I haven't seen it since.
1: All right, I'm gonna have to check that out then. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Um, we need to talk a little bit about the uh, hat on Kurt Russell. That cowboy oh. hat. Well, do you know anything about this? The kind of sombrero that's like folded up on the edges. Yeah, yeah. like what the deal is, where he came up with that, <laughs> why. I it's and, such a weird choice. In all
2: of the, the behind the scenes stuff that I've read or interviews that I've read, I've never seen anywhere where he mentions the hat or like if really? or like whose idea it was or
1: because it's so uh so like attention grabbing. It's a
2: very iconic thing for his character. Yeah, wearing that hat and those glasses. Yeah, it's. I've, I had
1: a pair of those glasses, by the way. That. I yeah. Think, like that the, hooked over his ears. Yeah. The yeah. wrap around and then the, the sides had the uh, little leather. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they were, I mean, obviously it, it kind of fits for where they were because um, they're like snow glasses mm-hmm. to keep out that blinding reflection. But um, I clearly got those because of this movie. <laughs> like there was no other reason for me living in Stone Mountain, Georgia to have Antarctic snow glasses. <laughs> I got the, I had two pairs of sunglasses because of, uh, characters i got those mm-hmm. and i got the uh, uh i was a big moonlighting fan <laughs> and bruce willis uh had these sunglasses that are now the look they're the ray-ban i can't remember which model um the one with the uh the frame on top only
2: oh yeah i know what you're talking and about and
1: sort of the green tint on mm-hmm. the sunglasses he wore those on moonlighting i just <sighs> I don't thought remember it was that the fucking coolest thing ever so i had two two pairs of sunglasses in high school largely
2: i haven't seen moonlighting in forever
1: I'd love that show mm-hmm. um all right, so weird cartoonish hat uh he's setting up the movie in a in a very like like you don't know what's going on yet, and it's hard for me to remember back kind of the first time I saw it, but you know you know something's going on with this dog mm-hmm. just by the way he frames it and the music and he's building this this tension um but you certainly, as a first timer, don't know what is coming.
2: Yeah, it, it, they just do all the shots of just the dog just creeping around yeah, man. by itself, just so effective, and just staring at things. It's like uh, oh, it's so creepy. Like what is what is it
1: thinking? It is. It really <laughs> is because it looks just the way he shoots it. You can like you can tell that the dog is not a dog almost, mm-hmm. or maybe it's maybe I'm retrofitting that in my brain because I know it happens. Mm-hmm. But he seems more sentient. They.
2: The the dog they have, I guess the the trained dog, the things that they got it to do were great. How they got it to walk down the hall and stop at certain places, and uh-huh. just creep into rooms. I, the the training that must have went into it.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You've worked with animals on set. It's I've I've seen animals on set not behave very well. Yeah, yeah. It's always sort of a <laughs> pain, and animal wranglers are always so weird. It's so funny. they are pretty nice. No, they're always super nice. Uh,
2: but yeah, I've I've seen a lot of dogs not do anything they're supposed to do on set.
1: Yeah. I feel like every animal wrangler I ever worked with was like this woman mm-hmm. who looked like she was from the 1970s still, <laughs> who always just had long straight hair parted down the middle <laughs> and like had this very special relationship with animals.
2: Mm-hmm. Like she just happened to have a lot of cats and a lot of dogs. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wait, maybe I can make a little money off this.
1: Um I felt so bad for these dogs, man. That that scene, the dog pen scene, is so upsetting. Oh, it's uh,
2: it, was, it was actually like Stan Winston did the special effects for that one scene. Oh, really? Yeah. But uh, yeah, with the dog and the, like the ten- tentacles coming out of its oh, back. God, and then, like, It's so upsetting. Uh, it splits open and its skull comes yeah. out.
1: Ugh. It splits open four ways like a fucking banana.
2: hmm Yeah, it's like really quick when it splits open and you see just the skull of the dog and then the, the skull falls and there's just like this weird tongue thing. Yeah. It's
1: just, I mean it's over the the movie as a whole is just over the top grotesque mm-hmm. which I love and um but that's one of the reasons why it got hammered so bad by critics at first mm-hmm. was they just felt it was just so gratuitous which
2: which is weird cuz like I even as a kid I never thought it was it never grossed me out in a way like uh, a slasher movie would Same. Like, because it's like the gore in this is so you know not human. It's, yeah. It's like a monster being torn apart. It's
1: Yeah, it's a cartoon.
2: Yeah, I never thought of it as gross. It never it never bothered me.
1: No, absolutely the same thing here. Mm-hmm. It's not like seeing human beings get, you know, tortured or, uh, you know, slashed or yeah, exactly. beaten, especially beaten. Mm-hmm. It's just like very visceral and like I take that on as something that could happen to me maybe. Mm-hmm. But I'm the same way. This never bothered me at all because I would read those magazines – And I would see the, uh, like, Vangoria when they would do those articles on Stan Winston and, like, kind of how it's all done. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it never upset me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It it never bothered me. And and there's some very intense uh, stuff that happens in this movie. Oh, man. Karen, she can't watch it. Yeah. Uh, She's like, "Uh, is this a gross part? And then she, like, run out of the room.
1: Interesting. What's the, uh, what's your best, what's your big moment, um, monster and effects-wise? Oh,
2: the. The whole scene with the uh, the Norris character, the Norris character on the table, and they're, yeah. cut, you know, his arms be, yeah. plunged <laughs> to the stomach. That's the and one. It, and it bites his arms <laughs> off, and then and then his head like rips off.
1: His torso becomes a bear trap. Yeah, <laughs> basically, uh, it's yeah. the moment of the movie, like in in a, in a movie with a bunch of great like gory mm-hmm. moments. That's the one.
2: That's the one that's always stood out. You know. And it bites the guy's arms off. And they yeah. actually had a, a guy that was a W amputee and they had fake arms on him. So oh, they actually really? tore the fake arms off. So when he pulled back, it was a guy that actually didn't have arms and it was just like the weird stumps that they uh-huh. put on him. And then when his head comes off the table and it's all the stretchy yeah. tentacles and then the spider legs come out of it, oh, it's like God, the. God, dude. It, it, like it just doesn't stop. It just keeps going.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it it really it's He's one upping himself constantly in mm-hmm. this movie. Uh, Carpenter is, or, and the, the uh, well, who's, who's the guy, Botten? Uh, I think it's... Oh, Botin? Botin, yeah. Rob Botin, yeah. like, who, legend.
2: Who was mm. only, like, 21 or 22 at the time doing this.
1: I know, he was a kid. He was a kid. And he... retired, like, too early. mm mm-hmm. Like, he's still young, he could be working. hmm Um, I, I looked up, and, I mean, he's got a, just a legendary resume, and I know he's been, like, well-respected in the in the creature community. <laughs> yeah. So I think he did
2: The Howling right before
1: this. Yeah. yeah. Which
2: is another one of my favorite movies. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, fucking unbelievable. Oh, another thing that um really struck me watching this time was uh his use of uh, the flares and using flares as practical lighting.
2: Oh, yeah. It, which is like a, such so a, cool. a contrast between like all the
1: blue uh-huh.
2: and coldness of everything and then like the, that bright pink.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's so cool because it creates a bit of a lens flare mm-hmm. at the same time but um and yeah i guess against uh, all that icy sort of white and blue everywhere the contrast is really really cool
2: yeah cuz i know john carpenter wanted everything to be very muted and kind of kind of bland looking inside the building uh-huh. then everything outside is either just white or blue and then so just to have that hot pink yeah light of the flares is i know it was always like a like kind of a shocking thing to see because yeah. it was like – it kind of comes out of nowhere because there's no other lights like that in the whole movie. And then all of a sudden, boom, that pink
1: Yeah, and explodes. he does it a lot too. Yeah, they wind
2: was... up using it a lot towards the end.
1: Uh-huh, very effective. Um And then uh, for me as a kid, like I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like this sort of summer campy thing. But like mm-hmm. anytime they – like those opening scenes where it showed the guys like all like playing ping pong and all huddled around. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of the same in Alien. There was something about those – places and those sets where I like I wanted to be there
2: yeah absolutely it's just like a cool like as a kid it's like a clubhouse exactly I mean that rec room had like arcade games Uh pool tables and there was alcohol I mean not as a kid sure but like but now it's you know
1: yeah I'd love to go hang out there I would totally love (laughs) to go hang out there (laughs) in Antarctica it's still not clear what they're doing or is it did I miss that
2: it never it just says they're doing research but right I know there's Two of the people are are biologists and uh, one of the guys is like a (laughs) meteorologist. But it doesn't really say what they're actually researching while they're there. Right.
1: But it's not – it has nothing to do with aliens. Mm -mm. Like this is all just bad luck.
2: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And like uh, it never says if the Norwegians were actually looking for aliens or if they were just doing research and stumbled upon it. Right. Uh, You know, because they could have like – find out something was there and went there specifically to go find it uh-huh. but it, i don't know it never it never says which i love movies that do that that don't feel they have to explain everything sure
1: yeah yeah same here mm-hmm. uh and the uh the movie like i think i unfairly tagged it as a alien um not ripoff but like it's so close to alien in a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh, but until i did the research about the original book. Like, it's 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 true to that book. It's yeah. not a ripoff of Alien. If mm-hmm. anything, Alien ganked from the original Thing book, <laughs> you know? But they are very similar.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, which is like, it's one of my favorite, I don't know if it's a genre. which. I just love the stories where it's like a small group of people. Isolated. That are totally isolated. Yeah, man. And there's no chance of hope. Uh-huh. You know, or, you know, there's nobody There's nobody coming to save them. Yep. And they have to fight this. That's why I love, like, The Thing and Alien and Predator. It's like. Yeah, all by themselves having to fight this thing that's way bigger than them
1: yeah yeah like this boss that and in this movie the the final boss is just like ridiculous oh,
2: the, the but, Blair monster yeah, yeah.
1: man <laughs> yeah that was Blair right mm-hmm. well he very effectively um well real quick by the way I have to say when I look up when I watch movies now I do a lot of cross-referencing of ages mm-hmm. like how old was this person when they made that movie because yeah. as I get older I'm just constantly upset by by these uh, revelations, <laughs> but Wilfred Brimley, dude, was a fucking year older than I am now when he made this movie. Really, <laughs> and I'm like, Wilfred Brimley always was 80. Like, how is that possible? Like,
2: e- even in that movie, he looks—he's 48, dude. He, but he looks like 60.
1: Well, and that, to be fair, I did. Uh, they actually wrote about that. How Wilfred Brimley always. Was looked way older and mm-hmm. was cast way older, so it made me feel a little bit better. But <laughs> I, when I first saw he was forty eight, I was so upset. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna be forty eight in like four months. I'm gonna be Wilfred Brimley's age in the thing." Uh, but he very effectively gets rid of him, uh, and and they isolate him by himself. Mm-hmm. And as a viewer, you forget he's there.
2: You do for a long time until they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go check him." After they
1: do the whole blood test scene, uh huh, and then they're
2: like, "Oh, we sh- we should go test him," and then.
1: I forgot – I've seen this movie a bunch of times mm-hmm. and I even found myself sort of forgetting. It's like, oh, yeah. Fuck, man. He's – this is not going to be good. Yeah. He's been in there by himself and the thing has been having its way with him basically. I,
2: I, I read somewhere where the – John Carpenter wanted him to be like kind of a uh, – he like he got assimilated very early on. Oh, okay. And then kind of forgotten about so you know, you don't really know.
1: That's why he became the super boss.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And like, he, and that's why he was like destroying everything. So he wanted to trap everybody there.
1: Yeah. And that one great scene. This is so classic. The, uh, you know, I feel better now. Yeah, I want uh, to come inside. I feel a lot better. I, I feel a lot better. I'd really, I'd like to, I'd like to be let out and I'm come inside. Gonna,
2: and there's like a noose. He's made his own noose.
1: <laughs> I feel a lot better.
2: I'm not gonna hurt anybody. I love that
1: Kurt Russell <laughs> just kind of closes that door. He's like, no, nah,
2: not gonna nah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see.
1: Uh, but yeah, his <laughs> boss is great. I think the moment for me though still is the chest uh, becoming the bear trap or mm-hmm. the the head spider. When when the which, which guy is it that where his head basically becomes the body of the spider?
2: Oh, well that, that I think it's that that scene. where – Is it that same yeah, one? Yeah, because like his his chest becomes a bear trap, and then while they're, uh, f- you know, shooting with the flamethrower, right. his his head <laughs> that they all off camera like you know, oh, that's it, right, yeah, you know, pills off the table yeah. and it becomes a spider and crawls that's around, when it grows legs, yeah, and it goes out the door and they're like. You gotta be fucking kidding me! Yeah, like that.
1: That line is so great because as a as a audience member, you're thinking exactly. Yeah, that. Yeah, you're like, oh my like, God,
2: seriously, really? <laughs> <laughs> the head became a spider,
1: and I love that it's never explained. Like, you don't need mm-hmm. anything. It's just it's. Uh, and I know that that he got some grief for it for at the time, but Carp- Carpenter's always defended that mm-hmm. choice, being like, you don't you don't need to explain what this is. Yeah, how it got here. I mean, it showed. The spaceship. You didn't even need to show that.
2: Yeah, and uh, and even like uh, uh, Caruso's character even says is like, you know, it's different from us. Yeah, we don't know what it is. You know, how yeah. how am I supposed to know what it is? It's we just know that it's different. Yeah, you know, and that's enough of an explanation to know that. Yeah, you don't know what to expect from it.
1: Yeah, and then you know it, it becomes that who done it thing, um, and the tension at that point when they're all, like you know, it could be any one of us. Mm-hmm. It's just such a great thing to do in a movie
2: uh, and, uh, and uh, the blood test scene when they're actually trying to figure out who it is so like, great oh, it's so
1: and that's in the book
2: uh, is it
1: yeah I've, n- I've never read the book well i didn't read it but i read the big plot synopsis and mm-hmm. they do that they draw blood and he uses a piece of hot coiled wire nice. and it's just like straight up from the book and uh it's so tense every time that thing touches the blood you know because you don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. well first of all you don't know who it's going to be. And then you don't know like what the reaction from the blood will yeah, be.
2: Yeah, is there even going to be one? <clears throat> right until it explodes out.
1: Yeah. It's like, oh god, it's so good. Yeah, so effective. <laughs> and then everyone, you know, it's like that. Uh, it's almost like a Russian roulette or something. Mm-hmm. Like each dude, and they're all tied together, which is great because when who is it that's revealed in that scene? What's the uh, character? P- Palmer. Yeah, Palmer's revealed. Yeah. And he starts, <laughs> you know, thinging, mm-hmm. and everyone's just like, fucking untied. They're all tied up right next to him. Like, Get yeah. me the fuck out of here. It was so great. <laughs> and what's the one great line, like? I don't want to be tied to this fucking chair. Oh yeah, he was like,
2: like I know you guys have been through a lot, but yeah. I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch.
1: <laughs> it's so great. Oh man, I have it just on my notes here in all caps with exclamation points. Blood test scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that you know, it's funny in that blood test scene, he that that flamethrower, a lot of great. Flamethrower shit in this movie a lot, yeah. But uh, it malfunctions mm-hmm. just long enough for the thing to fully realize, which becomes like the greatest gift to the audience because you could have just zapped him immediately.
2: Yeah, but then he things out and then winds up killing the character Windows. Yeah, with the whole like lifting them up off the. Oh God! Like his so head splits open bites the other guy and it's like swinging him around the place <laughs> it's so
1: good
0: <laughs>
2: it's, so a, it's a little comical when you look at it now because it's like yeah you know it's like a, you know obviously a fake body with fake legs kicking but it's yeah but uh, that's sort of the b-moviness
1: so of it that's still like mm-hmm. that's why this movie holds up i think mm-hmm. is because you don't judge it through today's standards
2: but but even today's standards it's it's still an amazing movie yeah, yeah. A, a lot of it does hold up compared to now it's
1: Yeah. I mean, the effects are the effects like they mm -hmm. are early 80s effects, which are super impressive. If you can like put your head in that, uh, if you can judge it for what it was Mm -hmm. Um, like CG, like this is real shit. Yeah. You know, like it's made out of slime and plastic and And
2: melted plastic and melted (laughs) bubblegum and (laughs) a lot of other chemicals. And they almost they almost blew up the set. Oh really yeah that the, the the set with the when the head was you know peeling off the body uh-huh. all the stuff in the neck apparently was toxic and releasing toxic fumes uh, that didn't surprise me, and right before they were about to shoot it, John carpenter was like, oh wait, they're supposed to be flame because they they're you know using a flamethrower on his stomach, so they go and they light the thing, and this huge fireball apparently just you know blows up in the room, wow, and they're like. You know, fortunately, it didn't. You know, hurt anybody. Yeah, and they were able to save the prop. But oh, really? Like, yeah, but they almost killed everybody. <laughs> Jeez, man,
1: I know that they shot um, some of the exteriors in like Alaska.
2: Uh, it was in British Columbia. Oh, okay, St- Stewart, British Columbia. I think it was, a, it was a little bit shot in Alaska, but like the actual, uh, the outposts, uh-huh. the base was. In British Columbia. Okay.
1: Yeah. but And then all the interiors were just refrigerated uh, sets.
2: Sound stages in L.A. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's so funny, man. The magic of movies. I always get fooled, which is great. <laughs> uh, so then we get to the end, you know, that great final, like, 15 minutes when the guys are, you know, dwindling. Mm-hmm. They basically decide... Well, they always split up, which is so funny in this movie. Because the one of all movies, mm-hmm. this is like the movie where you should always have you should a buddy.
2: always stay together. Yeah, <laughs> never n- never leave one person by themselves. <laughs> right. And they do; they leave uh, Childs like Keith uh, David. They leave him by himself.
1: Oh, he's so good in this too. Yeah, he's amazing. Love that guy.
2: Where they're like, you just wait here, and we'll go do this other thing. And they leave yeah. him alone. It's like, why would you leave anybody alone?
1: Yeah, they they all you know, especially when they're and I mean, I guess they're trying to blow the place up mm-hmm. like in quick order, so they can't all stay together. But uh, it's just that tension is just ratcheting up over that last 15 minutes um, with the, you know, inevitable explosion of mm-hmm. kind of everything.
2: Yeah, when they're going down into the uh, the generator room with all those giant barrels of oil. And yeah. Like uh, the, the generator, like it's just gone. Like the thing just took it. Yeah. Instead of just blowing it up, it's just gone. So like there's no hope of getting any heat back. And, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, none none of that is ever explained. Obviously. Well,
2: it it's I think it, it it took it so their heat would be gone. You know, there's and how
1: did it take it? Where did it go? Where did it go? Right. I
2: don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 strong enough to burrow under the ground. It uh, okay. mm-hmm. could it could have hidden it. Okay. Could have thrown it outside somewhere. Right. But yeah, it is one of those things like, where did it go?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and Kurt Russell has one of the great uh, last lines. Well fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: just in there screaming at him he's like, well, fuck you too, and just throws it right at it. Yeah. It's if you if you great. if you look at the monster, you can see half of Blair's head is coming out of the big monster head uh-huh. on one side, it's like Blair's face is on the other. Like Wilford Brimley's face is like oh, coming yeah. out of the other side.
1: It's just so badass, man. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, in the uh just the I think what made it creepy too was the um those those faces still being a part of it. Mm-hmm like the fact that it took over a host body so that host body is still there in a certain yeah. way so you could just make it so grotesque
2: yeah cuz like you know it'll add like pieces of dog and pieces of like human but yeah. then there's also other alien bits from you know aliens that other aliens <laughs> it's assimilated 100,000 yeah. years ago it's like all that stuff is all combined into this one thing
1: yeah cuz it's from the past right didn't mm-hmm. they say that the spaceship was it's, like 100,000
2: it's been frozen for about 100,000 yeah. years yeah
1: which is so cool mm-hmm. Did you know that the first computer bug was an actual moth?
0: Did you know that x-rays were used as entertainment at kids' birthday parties? I'm Marin. I'm Greg. And for our new podcast, Surprisingly Brilliant, we've been collecting some of the most shocking, inspiring, and downright bizarre stories from science
1: history.
2: From space mysteries to stolen dinosaurs, you'll find it in Surprisingly Brilliant from Seeker. Season 1 launches March 26th. Go subscribe now so you don't miss it, and listen to Surprisingly Brilliant on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
1: so the reviews, I did not know because I grew up in the as you did with the sort of in the midst of the reevaluation period mm-hmm. when it became a hit on VHS and uh, and I guess like HBO and stuff like that. Yeah, um, but it get, it really got killed.
2: It did. It 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 barely made its money back.
1: And uh, I mean, some of the the Magazines that you would think should be behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cinefantastique, I know, it was in a movie magazine that ordinarily would support stuff like The Thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it said, is it the most hated movie of all time? Uh, dismissed by some as instant junk, wretched excess. Uh, L.A. Times' Linda Gross said it was bereft, despairing, and nihilistic. Uh, Newsweek magazine said the film uh, confused... Confused the use of effects with creating suspense and that it lacked drama by sacrificing everything at the altar of gore. (laughs) Uh, And it had a real impact on Carpenter. Apparently, he lost, he was going to direct Firestarter, Mm -hmm. but was not fired, but like not given that opportunity. Uh, And then he had a multiple contract, multiple film contract at the time that Universal opted to buy him out of. Yeah, it was such a failure.
2: Which is crazy because it's such an amazing movie. I I don't get it. I don't get how people didn't like it. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me.
1: But then, like we said, on uh, VHS, uh, there was a critical reevaluation over the years. And now uh, it has since been called like one of the best films of the year, one of the great sci-fi horror movies Mm -hmm. of all time, uh, which is pretty cool. Like Carpenter at least can feel good about it after all these years.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of it probably didn't do so well was because it came out like – I think, like, E.T. came out the week before or something. Yeah, well, that did not help. And that, It didn't help, yeah. <laughs> Everybody was, like, riding that happy, feel-good alien vibe. And, yeah. and then this movie came along and was like, not that.
1: 82 was a crazy year, though, because, mm-hmm. like, Blade Runner came out that year. It came out the same day as The Thing. Oh, that's
2: right. They get released on the same day, and neither one of them did well.
1: Yeah. They, uh, they did both, Blade Runner get critically panned at the uh, time? Or,
2: I don't know, but I know it didn't do well in the box office. Yeah. Not, you know— you know, it's just like the thing. It became like a big cult hit afterwards.
1: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's so crazy. 82. E.T. really like ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie though. Mm-hmm. I was into all of it, you know? Yeah, me too.
2: I for love, sure. I, I I can watch any movie. I, I, I love watching movies. Yeah. I, I'll i watch everything. Yeah. I For a while, I was working at a video store and a movie theater at the same time. Uh, wow. I was a projectionist at a theater. Oh, cool. And I just watched movies all the time.
1: Wow. wow. So you were a projectionist, huh? Mm-hmm. What from, was
2: that like? Oh, it was great. It was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. Yeah. It was from 2001 to 2004.
1: Cool. And it was
2: a small eight screen theater in Decatur, Alabama. Uh-huh. So it was like all still film at the time. Yeah. Like building movies, putting all the movies together.
1: Yeah. Uh, I loved it. My brother was a, a general manager at um, the Phipps uh, AMC mm-hmm. for yeah. a while. He went to a few, but that was the one mainly where he worked. And so I, he he got he would take me up in the projection booth, and the dudes would show me how it worked, and it mm-hmm. was just so fucking cool.
2: It's yeah, I it was it was one of the best jobs I've ever had, and I I, I almost got a job at the Plaza here in town uh-huh. when I first moved here, but I was doing a uh like video for weddings, uh-huh. and I had like one weekend left to do this video. Uh, and that's the weekend they wanted me to start working at the plaza, right. so like, I couldn't get out of the other thing, and so they went up hiring somebody else. But
1: could you still do it? You still got the chops?
2: Uh, I don't know. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it was such muscle memory, you know, because you're basically just doing the same motions over and over again when you're threading everything, right? Uh, I could do it pretty quick. I could, you know, you know, build a movie, and it was like 35 minutes.
1: Because how, be, how many different cans do they come on?
2: Uh, an average. Movie usually came on, like, two cans and, like, six reels. Okay. Uh, but then I was also building the trailer reels and the commercial reels like, uh-huh. and put, put, just putting everything together. I could do, like, four or five movies in a night. Wow. Yeah.
1: You never told me you were a projectionist, dude. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I did that, and I've worked at five different video stores. Yeah, I did that in college mm-hmm. for a little while. I worked at Vision Video in Athens. Oh, nice. Which was one of the greats. Yeah,
2: I got to go visit that before I closed down. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Very sadly. Very sad. Um, did you work at one here in town?
2: Uh, No. No. It was in uh, uh, Auburn, Alabama. Uh I lived there before I moved here, and I worked at two different ones there, and then two in Decatur, Alabama, and then one in – I lived in Nashville for a year. Oh, cool. So I was like a manager at a blockbuster there. Oh, nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, man, you were working at a theater, working at a video store, so you were just fully immersed. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every movie that came into the theater, I watched. Uh, Most – mostly to make sure that i put it together right. Right. But uh yeah, i would just watch everything.
1: What uh when you're putting a movie uh we're getting so like derailed here at the end, Sorry, but it's like <laughs> the coolest job to me as projectionist. <laughs> you uh so you put the movie together, you, you start the screening mm-hmm. and then do you immediately have to hustle to the next one or do, is there downtime?
2: Uh there's usually the start times were staggered a little bit. Yeah. Um so i could, you know, you know you know, thread it. It only took like a minute to thread it and get it started. Uh-huh. I could go to the next one and thread it up and get it started.
1: And then it's like quality control.
2: Mm-hmm. And then after I had all of them done, then I would basically go down and go in, actually walk into the theater to make sure the sound was right, the yeah. picture looked clear.
1: Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, that's great. That's an important, like so many of them, I'm glad like you took it seriously. I yeah. think most projectionists do.
2: Yeah, because I, I, watching movies is like an escape for me. Yeah. I, I love getting like, Like super into it, Uh just kind of like losing myself in the movie. And I never want anybody to get taken out of that experience. Yeah. So.
1: Awesome. That's God's work, my friend. (laughs) All right, man. Well, that's the thing. Let's finish up with the five questions. Nice. Um, I didn't pull a quote from Ebert. I usually do what Ebert said, but he did give it two and a half stars. And Mm -hmm. his take was basically like, you know, some people are going to love this thing. It is what it is. Like he didn't he didn't shit on it. He was just like, whatever. But he, he didn't to like sing its praises either, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Uh, what is the first uh, movie you saw in the theater? The
2: first one that I can vividly remember seeing in the theater was probably like Return of the Jedi. Mm. Um, I, I can remember going to – this was back when the theater was inside the mall in yeah, my sure. hometown before it – you know, moved outside the mall and runs in its own building. Yeah, but I remember my mom taking me. And I remember uh, her and I going like three
1: times to see it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, dude, your mom sounds fucking cool as shit. Oh, she's great. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, my mom's great too, but they just didn't have great cultural tastes. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I, I, I
2: mean, was... like I also got. All, I mean, even with my dad, when I would go stay with my dad, he was also like super into movies too. It's like, Yeah, he loves. Action, science fiction, all yeah. that too. So I got it from both of them.
1: Yeah, this all makes sense now mm-hmm. of who Craig Johnson is. <laughs> um, what was the first R rated movie that you saw?
2: I, I the first one I saw in the theater that I probably I snuck into was probably Terminator Two. Yeah. Um, but like just seeing R rated, I don't know. I, I saw a lot of movies very young that was that were R rated. Yeah. Just going to a friends' house and staying up late and watching. Yep. You know, being like eight years old, watching something on HBO right in the middle of the night. I don't know. There's there's, there's a lot that I saw. Yeah,
1: so you were you were in there. Yeah. Uh, ear, earlier than you should have been. Yeah, that's good.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't have cable or satellite growing up.
1: Oh okay. So why we, rural or
2: rural? Yeah, we lived kind of too far off the road for them to run a cable uh-huh. and satellite. We just couldn't really afford it I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh my I got cable way late. Yeah, all all of my cousins had it. A lot of my friends had it, so uh-huh. every time I'd go to their house, I would bring VHS tapes to record movies. Yeah. So I had stacks of VHS recorded movies.
1: That's great. Uh number 3, will you walk out of a bad movie?
2: I've I've never walked out of a movie. I believe that. I I can usually if even if I'm not enjoying the story, I can usually – I mean, if I'm not enjoying it, I can still get into the story. Mm-hmm. And once I start it, I usually want to see how it ends. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like, like maybe I have to finish it. I just, I just want to know how it ends.
1: Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. Respect for the – I've had a lot of people that say sort of like I feel like I almost owe the respect of <laughs> finishing this thing because, you know, especially as a crew member, mm-hmm. just how much work goes into it.
2: A lot. So much work. Yeah. Months and months of just filming – and that's not included, like, the prep ahead of time yeah. and all the post work. It's, it's a lot of work.
1: Do you find yourself sort of looking at uh, sets a lot more now that you do that kind of work? Or I can you just sort of forget about all that?
2: I Yeah, I try to just forget about it because I, I don't want to pick apart movies. Yeah, yeah. I just want to experience them. Yeah. And I try not to think about – I try not to figure out what's going to happen in a movie. Right. Like, I don't want to know. Right. I want the movie to, you know, surprise me. It's like – you know, if there is like a who doing it, I don't want to try to figure out who did it.
1: <laughs> that's cool, man. I just want to watch it. Emily gets mad at me sometimes because I'm like, oh, you know what's totally going to happen. Yeah. She's like, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to know what's totally going to happen like, or what to... you think it's totally <laughs> going to happen.
2: <laughs> although, I mean, it, although, uh, ideas do pop in my head like, you know, what I think will happen, but I try to keep it to myself and try to forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just want to watch it. I just want to experience it.
1: Yeah, that's cool. It's funny too though. What Sometimes I'll do that. Or Emily will do, say a line that they say or something, like mm-hmm. finish a line before they do. Yeah, And it's most times like a tropey <laughs> line. But we always will say to each other, I could write this shit. It's <laughs> like our, our ongoing joke. I could write this shit. I could write this. Um, number uh, – I tailor this one to the guests, number four. So let me think. What's a good one for you? Um, I'm going to throw you a music curveball. Uh, mm-hmm. What's your favorite 80s uh, band and or song? Oh geez! Yeah,
2: Ugh, it's tough. I
1: here. I get back on that.
2: Yeah, I love uh, the cars mm. so
1: much. Great pick, <laughs>
2: and, but I, but I also love like uh,
1: that debut album of theirs. One of the best debut albums of all it's time. It's so good. It's like a greatest hit. Mm-hmm. And that was her first record.
2: Yeah, Rick, Kasich, and Benjamin Ward.
1: Yeah, amazing. Yeah, they're both so good. Uh, what was the other one you were going to say?
2: Uh, but I also love, like, hollow notes. I know you do. I love <laughs> hollow notes. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, great. you know, I I grew up listening, you know, hearing all that on the radio. Also, I was a big Huey Lewis and the News fan as a kid.
1: Yeah, me too.
2: As a kid. I was my first concert I ever went to was Huey Lewis and the News. Yeah. I think I was, like, 10 years old and my mom wanted to go so we went together
1: i was into them too man yeah it's funny it's and it's funny they had a song called hip to be square yeah. because <laughs> looking back like they weren't the coolest band in the world no definitely not but i was way into it yeah. i was not ashamed yeah i loved it i think we had very similar like we were a lot alike probably growing up i think so you know <laughs> sweet little church kids uh is there any better song than you make my dreams come true i mean man it's so good the beginning of that song every single time just gets me i don't even know what that is what are they playing what is that
2: I don't know. I'd have
1: to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Is that a keyboard? Probably. Yeah, that's got to be it. Uh, and then finally, movie going 101, on mm-hmm. one. When you get to, you still go to the theater a lot, probably uh, right?
2: Yeah, as much as I can. Yeah, I love going to. I love going to the theater.
1: What's what's your what's your jam? What's your ritual?
2: I usually, when I was a kid, I would always get like a Coke and the whole bag of like the family pack size of Twizzlers mm-hmm. and just eat the whole thing myself. Mm-hmm. But now I like uh a theater where I can get a beer. Oh. I love getting a drink at the nice. movie theater. Okay. Uh and sometimes so Midtown's great for that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll go to the Highlander and have a, a drink or two before. Yeah. And yeah, I know.
1: Little boozy movie sense. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. I, I love having a little bit of a buzz going to watch a movie. Yeah. Okay. Um Yeah I I but as far as like where I sit, I usually like – I like sitting in the middle or maybe a little bit towards the back. It depends on how big the theater is. Right. If it's like a big, huge theater, I like sitting that seat um, that's like the first one up on the stadium where there's like the bars mm-hmm. that you can put your feet up on.
1: Yeah. Everyone love that. loves that. I love that so I much. never do that move. I should do that.
2: It's comfortable because you can, you can kind of relax.
1: Yeah. I've been moving closer lately, I've mm-hmm. noticed, because uh, I had been sitting pretty far back. And like, oh, I'd just like to have the whole thing in my field of vision. Yeah. Um, but I've been going a little closer and it's mm-hmm. a bit more immersive.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely is.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I found myself just easing. And this is on my, my going to see movies by myself because Emily didn't mm-hmm. want to sit close. But we never get to the movies like together. It's rare.
2: Yeah. It's it's gotten harder and harder for, for, for Karen and I to go to the movies together because our schedules are so different yeah. from work. Uh, Stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's just It's hard to go together a lot of the time.
1: I know it's ironic that people that work on movies are some of the biggest movie lovers, and they never get to go to the movies because they're working so much.
2: Exactly, but I also know a lot of people that work in the business, and they're like, "Yeah, it's just a job."
1: Well, and they're like, "That is true." Yeah, there's it's like half I'm not going to mention which departments, yeah. <laughs> but some some <laughs> departments are more full of. Film lovers than others, absolutely, and some are just like, no nah, man, this this gets me my jet ski exactly <laughs> <laughs> every summer on on the at my lake house. <laughs> I won't talk about grips and electrics. What? <laughs> uh, that is funny that way though. Mm-hmm. It's sort of just like a little more like a blue collar, like union job for some of these people. for a, for a lot of people, yeah. But it's also, you're right, it's also like half just like film junkies. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great.
2: Yeah. I uh, On Stranger Things, I got to work with one of the guys that was the first AC, like the focus puller. Mm-hmm. That He worked on the thing. Oh, wow. And it was like his first movie. Really? And he was also the focus puller on season one of Stranger Things. Wow. Like he was still doing it. Pretty did amazing.
1: You, did you pepper him with questions? I or? did. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He was super nice about it. And he was excited to talk about it. Yeah.
1: I'm yeah. sure that's usually the case. Mm-hmm. All right, dude. Well, this was great. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you. All right, man. All right, everyone. I enjoyed that. Uh, Craig, I was super uh, excited to learn at the end there that he was a projectionist. I wish I would have known that going in. We would have front-loaded that stuff. Uh, Such a cool job. And I'm glad that he was able to uh, sort of illuminate uh, us as to what that job is like and what that entails. Very cool. Like that's the the final uh, uh, watchman for the quality of a film projection is that projectionist. So it was really neat to learn about that and to hear about his work on Stranger Things, uh, season three, his uh, his music with Space Knife. Go check that out. And then the great discussion we had about the thing. Uh, you could tell Craig loves loves this movie, and uh, it's just. Uh, one of one of the great all time sci fi horror films, and I'm glad it is recognized as such now. Uh, I don't know what critics were thinking back then. I guess they weren't ready for it. They were not ready for how awesome that movie was. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, it was uh, reevaluated over the years and is now a classic, classic film and one of the best of 1982, which is one of the best years in film for me. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, go watch the thing if you haven't. I'm going to check out that prequel now that I know it's a prequel. For sure. Why not, right? And thanks for listening. So until next week, everyone, remember, don't go anywhere without that bottle of j and scotch. Movie Crush is produced, engineered, edited, and soundtracked by Noel Brown and Ramsey Yunt, at Works Studios, Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia.
2: What made Vincent Van Gogh one of the greatest painters and most tortured souls of all time? Was Harry Houdini predestined to become the great escape artist based on his family's great escape?
0: I'm Dr. Gail Saltz, and on my new podcast,
2: Personology, I'll be joined by amazing experts to delve into the minds of famous historical figures. If you want to know what really made exceptional people tick, then take a listen to Personology, Listen to Personology every Monday on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Couric. I've used my podcast, Next Question, as a platform to explore the big issues we face in these crazy times. And right now, there's no crazier time and no bigger issue than the coronavirus, which is why we're switching gears and pushing our regular reported episodes to the summer. In the meantime, We're going to stay focused on the coronavirus, talking to the experts so you can really understand what's going on. I know it's overwhelming, but we can get through this together. You can listen to Next Question on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. We want you to know that we are here for you.